You are hearing the Echoes podcast, and I'm John DiLiberto. Today, electronic explorers, past and present. On the past side, I've got Kitaro. We're going to take a throwback 30 to 1990 in the album Kojiki and interviews I conducted with the Japanese electronic artist back then. Then we move forward to Tiger Forest, the recording persona of Gunnar Spardell, who also records under his real name. His last two albums have been magnificent, and we talk about how he got there. I grew up in Hamburg, Germany, which has a huge trade port. So after school, I would look at ships that would come in and out of that port. Those ships would come from all over the world, and that kind of created an escapism feeling inside of me. And... I think every album that I did under Tiger Forest has that theme going. I've got Gunnar Spardell and Kitaro ahead. While you're trapped in your home, you want to take yourself at least mentally out of your environment. The Echoes podcast can do that for about 13 or 20 minutes, but for sustained relief, check out Echoes Online. It's our streaming subscription music service where you can stream two-hour Echoes programs on demand and get exclusive online-only Echoes streams. And you can do it with your Echoes app, which you should have by now. Right now, we're offering a special Corona rate. Go to echoes.org and find out about Echoes Online. And now, from Germany via New Hampshire via Skype, here's Tiger Forest Gunnar Spardell. Tiger Forest is a German-born electronic musician who's been straddling the worlds of new age and down-tempo EDM for over a decade now. His music is full of elaborate electronic orchestrations and often draws from nature for its imagery. He also releases under his given name, Gunnar Spardell. He lives in New Hampshire now, where he sculpts his electronic dreams. Gunnar Spardell is an artist who was made for these quarantine times. He was already recording his music in his home in New Hampshire with his wife, singer and theremin player Amethyst. As we talk on Skype, you can hear him turning his head away from the mic as he surveys his setup. While we live in a condo, we have two bedrooms and one bigger studio area, so all my synthesizers are in there and my music computer is in there. We have a little vocal area in the basement where my wife records her voice and theremin. When a really good idea comes, I can just go to the studio and hit the record button and record everything immediately. And when he needs other musicians, he just works with them online by email or on platforms like Fiverr. That's where he found singer Ali Frank. There's a music networking website called Fiverr where people can work with each other. Like artists could work with each other. It's like an artist network and that's the way I found her.
He also found his French-Canadian wife online, but not through a dating website. We met over um, MySpace. We both had an artist page and we had both tracks load on, on there and we had mutual friends and you know, you click here, you click there and then I end up on this profile and I liked his music and I sent him a message and I said, you're doing such a good job, continue doing it. And then he came and checked up my profile and he really liked to hear my voice and we just rode back and forth and we just decided to, you know, try to collaborate, you know, via the internet and, you know, a few years later, here we are. <laughs> Amethyst appears on several tracks of Spardell's albums, including the latest Tiger Forest release, Discovery. Gunnar Spardell is on the leading edge of the millennial generation. That's why he doesn't come to electronic music via early pioneers like Tangerine Dream and Kraftwerk. He comes from 90s techno artists. Techno. Back in 1991 or 1992, when I was still a teenager, I was first introduced to synthesizers by a German group called U96 or U96. They were sampling the soundtrack from the Wolfgang Petersen movie Das Boot and um, I was really really excited to hear this kind of un unique and different music so that was kind of my first introduction to synthesizers. Also, around that time when I discovered uh, U96, the Berlin techno scene appeared and I started to develop my own taste in music. Even quite mainstream radio stations in Germany, um, they started playing underground dance records. So, um, yeah, I could not get enough of this kind of music. Stranger. He got his own synthesizers and began creating beats and then music under the name Tiger Forest. Well, it's kind of a wordplay on the Tiger Forest that is like in the Northern Hemisphere. It's like also called the Borealis Forest. And back in school, I was always using that name to create beats and grooves, and it kind of stuck with me since then. He's released seven albums under that guise, beginning with his 2007 debut, The Sound of Life. This Tiger Forest album, Discovery, may also be his most mature work to date. It shares a lineage with all his previous albums and using nature and travel as his imagistic starting point. I grew up in Hamburg, Germany, which has a huge trade port. 
So after school, I would look at ships that would come in and out of that port. Those ships would come from all over the world. And that kind of created an escapism feeling inside of me. And I think every album that I did under Tiger Forest has that theme going. Themes of nature also appear on the album he recorded under his own name, Simplicity in a Complex World. Many of the tracks, like A Walk Among the Jack Pines, come from nature as well as life experience. It's about hiking in Nova Scotia. Two years ago I had a bad accident with my eye where I, I could not see anymore through my left eye. After several medical procedures I was able to finally see again. For recovery, we went to Nova Scotia and we went hiking on a trail called the Jack Pine Trail. And that trail was so beautiful. It was, it was like the first time I, in a long time that I could experience nature to its fullest again after I was, had that terrible eye accident. So that inspired me to create a, that song, A Walk Among the Jack Pines. Simplicity in a Complex World is a different kind of album for Spardell. There are no electronic beats or euphoric melodies. Instead, this is a deep ambient chamber music release with slow rolling textures, melancholy cellos, and distant trumpets. Well, the music under Tiger Forest is fast paced and mainly written in a major key, so it usually creates a, yeah, a feeling of happiness and good excitement, while in comparison, uh, the Gunner Spardell music is written in a much slower pace and it has much less layers of sound and a more minor chord progression so it creates a more re reflective feeling of serenity. You can hear that in Sobrain's Fire, another track inspired by nature and travel. We went to the Pacific Coast Highway a couple years ago and the Sobrain's Fire was a huge wildfire that was going on I think five or six years ago destroyed most of the area in Big Sur. A couple years after, even though everything was destroyed, new life started to come out and emerge from, from the dead, I guess. So that song is about maybe rejuvenation, nature, rebirth, all that stuff. Yeah. In this time of Corona, Gunnar Spardell's typical recording method, working from home, collaborating remotely online, is becoming the new normal for a lot of musicians. And he may have found a way to adapt emotionally even earlier than the pandemic as well, with songs like Watching the Stars Collide. I always had this perspective that I was either hoping for a better tomorrow or looking back and feeling sad about the past. 
but I never managed to live in the present. So watching stars collide is about loneliness and the feeling of waiting for something to happen in your life, but deep inside you know that it's never gonna happen. So over the past couple of years I've finally reached a level where I can finally enjoy the here and now. And it's probably my biggest regret so far that I that I didn't come to that conclusion much earlier because I could have been so much happier. So yeah, that's the basic story of the track. Gunnar Svardell has a lot of time to contemplate the here and now during the corona quarantine. Meanwhile, his latest albums are Simplicity in a Complex World under his own name and Discovery under the guise of Tiger Forest. You can add Gunnar Spardell's Simplicity in a Complex World and Tiger Forest Discovery to your collection. Just go to echoes.org and I will have a link in the posting for this podcast. That's echoes.org. I don't know, but I suspect that Gunnar Smardell probably listened to Kitaro when he was getting into electronic music. As we celebrate our 30th year on Echoes, I'm going to take you back to April of 1990. At that time, Japanese synthesist Kitaro had become one of the most visible signposts of New Age music, with the number one recordings, Grammy nominations, and sold-out concert halls across America. Kitaro is a nickname that means man of love and joy, but his parents called him Masanori Takahashi. I interviewed him in the mid-80s for the radio series Totally Wired and again in 1990 when he released the album Kojiki. At the time, I combined both of these interviews together. Kitaro's English wasn't so confident back then, so you'll often hear a translator leaping in as Kimberly Haas brings us my interview with Kitaro in a throwback 30. I send a message of sound towards the sky, engulfing empty space, soaring for beyond grasp, high above mountain top, beyond ocean waves. This message of love and peace comes from Japanese synthesis Kitaro reading a poem from the cover of his 1986 album, Tenku. Kitaro is a musician who seems to breathe the air of Japan's ancient past, but who lives very much in the technological present. He's been painted as a humble man who lives in solitude at the foot of Mount Fuji. For over 15 years, Kitaro has combined ancient Asian motifs and instruments with environmental sounds and synthesizers, creating exotic spacescapes.
But for all the lushness and grandiose themes of his music, Kitaro, like most Japanese teenagers of the 60s and 70s, grew up listening to American rock and roll and rhythm and blues. They're playing the, play the rhythm and blues. Rhythm and blues. Uh, I, like, I like that. Yeah, uh, the first is the rhythm and blues and the, also Beatles. Hard rock and roll. I think too much. And then there was the Grateful Dead. I like Grateful Dead sounds. Dead, dead heads. <laughs> Kitaro began playing guitar in high school, and in the mid-70s he formed a progressive rock group called the Far East Family Band. It was the beginning of his synthesis of East and West, technology and tradition. The one side is more traditional Japanese, oh, just feeling. And the one side is more British progressive rock, like, like uh, Pink Floyd and uh, King Crimson, so, together. The first time Kitaro played synthesizer was with the Far East Family Band, and he was captivated by its mysterious sounds. The first is, I don't know uh, how to use the synthesizer, but uh, just uh, first time uh, I get a headphones, and uh, I don't I don't understand what is what it is what it only <laughs> The very first time he sat in front of a synthesizer. Uh, he had uh, obviously no idea what all the various controls did, but he put on a pair of headphones and listened and just closed his eyes and touched the various controls. And uh, the, that first, that initial impression was a very strong one. He, he saw immediately that there was an instrument that could paint pictures with music. Seaside. Seaside is a picture music. Kitaro was further influenced by German synthesizer legend Klaus Schulze, who produced two Far East Family Band recordings. He introduced Kitaro to new ways of thinking about the synthesizer. Surprisingly, on his 1990 recording, Kojiki, Kitaro moves the synthesizers into the background in favor of a string orchestra. Actually, uh, when I was composed music, this Kojiki, uh, I composed the music and I was played the uh, whole things include the string section by synthesizer. But after that, uh, I, I thought many things because uh, all of synthesizers has a still cold feeling. And uh, we just uh, finally with uh, symphony orchestra. It's great. S sound is uh, getting warmer. 
more, more like human. Whether working with acoustic or electronic instruments, Kitaro still thinks in terms of visual images. When he begins to compose a piece, he starts with a mental picture. And he says it really is a, is a picture. It's a, not some abstract idea. And there, for that picture, there is a sound that goes along with it. And that sound is already in his head before he even lays finger one on the keyboard. And, uh, but with that picture and uh, accompanying sound firmly in his head, he then begins to uh, experiment and uh, try to create that sound that is in his mind. Kitaro's music is a clever synthesis, both Asian and Western, futuristic and ancient. It's an orchestral drama that reflects his themes of universality. For him, uh, music isn't music unless it communicates dreams, uh, emotions, uh, feelings. And uh, to do that, at times, yes, it has to be dramatic, and that it's not a question of being uh, influenced by Western or Japanese uh, styles. It's, it's something that uh, is born of a dream and it's an effort to uh, communicate that dream. I compose the music, I performance the music to all of the world. I believe in, uh, it's my mission. Uh, it's connect to the East and West. says he doesn't consciously adapt traditional Japanese motifs, but they nevertheless abound in his music. He uses Japanese shakuhachis, tsutsumi drums, and kodos, even though these are often found in the form of digital samples. The centerpiece of his concert stage setup are three giant Japanese wudaiko drums. Over the years, Kitaro has played them in marathon ritual performances at the foot of Mount Fuji. Oh yeah, Japanese drums, big, big Japanese drums. Yeah, um, I like drums. It's a, I think, basic, basic sound uh, for human being. Yeah, it's so nice. This is August, uh, from night to next morning. I play drums. Whole night. So crazy, yeah. 
もう at times during the this performance during this maybe ritual you should really almost call it he really felt that he was no longer conscious of what he was doing lost yes very much in a trance and really just lost consciousness yeah of what he was doing as he was doing it eleven hours ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、ま、
Kieran Billy Haas bringing us Kitaro from 1990 in an Echoes Throwback 30. We've had Kitaro on the show many times since then, and his English has gotten a lot better. He's played live on the show a couple of times as well, once with his full-on band recorded at his studio in Colorado, and once right in my living room. I'll have a link to Kojiki, which has recently been reissued in a deluxe edition. You can find that link in the posting for this podcast on our website, echoes.org. Next week on the Echoes podcast, another double dose, this time of ambient chamber music when we hear interviews with Ava Waves and Blue Landscapes. I'm John DiLibretto. Thanks for dialing up the Echoes podcast. See you next week, tonight on the radio somewhere in the country or online right now on Echoes.